The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about you, Cowboys? Yeah! Go Cowboys! This, this is Talkin' Cowboys. Streaming live from the Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star in Frisco. Howard streaks in. Streaks in. Touchdown. Parsons has second. Prescott keeps it. And he bangs it in for the touchdown. And now your hosts, Isaiah Stanback, Nick Harris, John Mashoda and Kyle Yeomans. It's a Talking Tuesday edition of Talking Cowboys presented by Black Rifle Coffee Company. We are live from the Star in Frisco, Texas in the SWBC studios where the Dallas Cowboys are now 10-5 and five, following a Christmas Eve defeat at the hands of the Miami Dolphins, 22 22- to 20 was the final score game-winning field goal from Sanders wins it for the Dolphins as time expires hope everybody had a safe and happy holiday weekend it's time to talk football again we've got Isaiah Stanback we've got John Machota no, no Nick Harris today but Kyle Yeomans here with Chris Beam in the background and everything gentlemen how was the the weekend everybody good yeah, man. I flew on Christmas for the first time, so that was interesting. Well, how uh, was that? Honestly, the exact same that it normally is. Really? Except, except there must have been less people on the flight because I got upgraded first class. So hey, I was happy about that. Let's I, was go. Ha- I was happy about that. You told them who you are. Aren't yeah, you? Uh, I did. <laughs> I said, listen here, y'all. Um, no, but I thought that, I don't know. I thought it was going to be more of a hassle, and it was actually pretty easy to fly in. Is that maybe because everybody's already where they need to be by Christmas Day? Is it the day before and day after that's more of the travel day? after has to be terrible. Yeah. Today has to be terrible. Yeah. I'm sure. I would think that's the reason, yeah. That's probably what it is. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So had to fly on Christmas Day. We got back home. You good Good from there? I am. I'm ready to roll here. Yeah. There you go. What about you, Zay? I got to sit down. It was awesome. Have you ever done that before? Dude, hardly ever. (laughs) But it was awesome. I made some pizzas with the fam. I want a little, go. little pizza oven, and that was it, man. What did the kiddos get this year? What did Santa bring them? I uh, got my my soccer players, got them a ball launcher, which is pretty much like a jugs machine for soccer players for mm-hmm. this company out of, out of Europe. So that was pretty cool. That was not cheap. Um, <laughs> but they need it, and they're going to use it. And um, who else? what else happened? Um, my, my daughter, my daughter Sky, she likes bath bombs. So she got a bunch of bath bombs. Okay. Yeah, there's some other stuff in there too, but that's her number one. And lights, LED. Her her room looks like a doggone nightclub now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's fog machine oh, coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. That's they awesome. can smell fresh cash. Yeah, yeah. fresh cash. There you go. Uh, yeah, that's fun. Hope everybody had fun uh, over the holidays. How Me about the, you, Kyle? It was fun. Me and the wifey first Christmas married and in last Christmas, last Christmas without, without kids. kids. <laughs> so. That was uh, yeah. It's that the was last interesting. Christmas. You're gonna be able to get up at like nine o'clock. Bro, no, facts. Yeah, my kids facts. crawled in my bed at what five forty five, six a.m. Mm-hmm. Something yeah, like that. Six a.m. I heard them running around yeah. upstairs. So her family does like Christmas Eve up really big, okay. and so as soon as we were done here, we went over to her uncle's house, which is in Dallas, and we, he's got a nice bar set up, and they do like a big. They call it the the Feast of the Seven Fishes, which is like an Italian tradition. Okay, so they've got like shrimp and sea bass and snapper and all sorts of different stuff and so they like saved me a plate and they had like some raviolis and stuff and so it was delicious and then of course we did like our christmas eve like gift exchange and we had some drinks flowing it was a long day we got home we actually stayed at the in-laws house 
We got to the in-laws at like 1.30, oh. went to bed at like 2.30 because we were just talking. So you went to bed on Christmas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then uh, and then woke up early the next morning, had a big breakfast, got back to our house, which is where we hosted last night. And mm-hmm. so it was nice. Man. Yeah, it was a lot. It was fun, though. First Lots and last. First, first and last. First and last. From here on out, it's all about the kiddos. But That is facts, bro. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt about that. My mom brought like a Santa sleigh full of gifts. Like, I mean, just packed my dad's pickup truck and yeah. it, like brought it in. I was like, why'd you, why'd you go so big this year? She was like, cause this is the last, last one that one. you get. Yep. She was like, I went big for y'all you because t- <laughs> next year it ain't about y'all. Speaking of sleigh, did you tell everybody what Nate Newton got you? <laughs> Nate Newton on Sunday, we walked in for pregame <laughs> and I walk in and there's this, just a, it's almost like a sled. Like it's like a sled full. It's like a furniture mover. Yeah. Full of boxes of diapers. Yeah. Oh, there wow. Were That's four cool. massive boxes of diapers. Wow. And he put a little note on top of it. He said, don't open till Christmas Day. <laughs> I was like, all right. That's thanks, awesome. Nate. Yeah, it was cool. fun. It was great. So lots of fun over the weekend. Let's talk about some news and notes, though. The Cowboys fall 22-20 to the Dolphins. An unfortunate break for them as they, they really had chances throughout the game to win it we'll dive deeper into that in a moment but first let's let's hit what's happened since then well yeah i mean jerry was on the radio this morning so just with that i think the the biggest things are the injury updates he said that tyron smith got an injection last week so i'm thinking that's some type of a uh mm-hmm. something in his back to kind of loosen things up and that he was pretty hopeful that he'll be able to play saturday against detroit because he got that mm-hmm. uh injection uh not as positive on the Jonathan Hankins front. Jonathan Hankins said in the locker room last week that, I mean, he thought Detroit was a good target date. He's from Detroit. He really wants to play in this game. Jerry's not ruling him out, but he's just not as certain about um, about Jonathan Hankins. Jerry did say he thinks rookie Mozzie Smith has been coming on. We can get to that mm-hmm. in uh, a little bit later. Um, still very Jerry Jones and being super optimistic about uh, the team's chances of making a deep playoff run, saying some of the same stuff he's been saying for the last few weeks of how he wouldn't trade positions with anybody else, which I don't know about that. I, yeah. think, you, mm. I think if you get that one seed and <laughs> with the way nice. this team's been playing at home to have that all throughout the playoffs, I think you'd rather have that. Um, but he does does say that his biggest reason for optimism is, is Dak Prescott and the way he's been playing. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one's the most interesting one that uh, I know we'll get into a little bit just because of the fact that Mike has been so vocal about it, and it's just him not drawing a holding call since October. And I'm not going to read everything that Jerry said. I'll just kind of sum it up. And it was basically that he's saying similar things to what Mike has said last week, and that's refs are making judgment calls on if a player's being held, but they weren't going to be able to make that play, then they're not calling that as much. Hmm. So, and what Jerry <laughs> brings up and what Micah brings up is that, well, he's a freak. And so you shouldn't be judging him on the same thing that you're judging other edge rushers, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that, that that's something that, you know, Jerry mentioned with Stephen being on the competition committee. Maybe it's something they look at in the offseason. I just know the teams that have the top edge rushers all are kind of complaining about this, you know, like whether you talk about like a Miles Garrett or Aiden Hutchinson, you yeah. know, the Bosa's. Like it's just something where uh, they don't want it to be judgment calls. If a guy's being held, call it. Even if he is a little bit away from the play, that that for maybe another player that I won't name because I don't want to take any shots at anybody. Yeah. But like for Micah Parsons, Micah Parsons can make that play. You know, I my whole thing in all this is that let me just state at the beginning that I do think that this team over the last few years 
complains way too much about the officials. Let me oh, just start yeah. with that. So yeah. I'm, I don't want to sound like somebody that just, oh, blaming officials for everything, because I think <laughs> I, I think that that's been uh, an issue. Isaiah's talked about this a yeah, couple times. I remember I, you bringing this up in 2020. Coach McCarthy was a little yeah. yeah, I think that there might be a little bit behind the scenes. I don't know this is a fact, but I, I feel like just from off the last few years that there is kind of almost a rallying cry being told to the players, as in it's us against the world. It's us against that team, the other opponent, the mm-hmm. refs everything and i don't know that i love that so i just want that to be stated first before i say what i'm about to say sure it's ridiculous to have somebody as talented as micah parsons the favorite right now to be defensive player of the year in the nfl not have a single holding call since october that's that's ridiculous yeah like there's just there's no way that 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 is possible you know and i'm not sitting here saying that he needs to get all the calls that let's say like a michael jordan or lebron james <laughs> do in their prime but he needs to get more calls. He deserves the benefit of the doubt because of the type of player he is. And, and, and again, I cover the Dallas Cowboys, so I'm speaking about Micah. But I'm, you can say the same thing, like I said. Miles Garrett, Aiden Hutchinson, some of these freak elite edge rushers. Like, I get what Micah's saying, that they don't want you to wreck the game because they want it to be an offensive game. You can let a couple of these go and, and let a guy have two, three sacks. And Because and, yeah. to be honest with you, none were called in that game. And for most of that game, if you weren't a fan of the Dolphins or, or Cowboys, let's not act like that game was just so entertaining and it was just so great. And the NFL just did such a great job with two the two top offenses in the NFL. There was plenty in that game where you're just like, if you if you respect the game and you just watch as a fan that knows football, you appreciate it because you know those are two of the top teams in the NFL going at it. So whatever the score is is another thing. But to sit there and say that we got to make it so offensive first that we can't allow freak edge rushers to do their thing. I think that that's an issue. Yeah. What do you think? I <clears throat> I concur. I believe that. <clears throat> sorry. I think that might catch you off guard. I'm all choked up. <laughs> uh, that, Mike, this this gets you that riled yeah. up. No, I'm not one to point the finger at, at referees. I hate that. Um, yeah. But I but there is some facts to that, right? There's some some reality to the fact that Mike is getting held substantially, and uh, it's unfortunate he's not getting the calls. Uh, his frustration is warranted. Um, people are talking about how he needs to pull off on the quarterback. Like when you're getting held, play after play after play, you're winning your assignment, play after play after play. And the only reason why you're not making the play is because you're being held and it's not being called. When you finally get to the quarterback, oh, he's going to pay for it. Mm-hmm. He's going to pay for it. So um, you know, shout out to Micah for continuing to fight. Um, this dude won his assignment. He probably scored eighty percent on his <laughs> on pass rushes. I mean, this dude was all over the place uh, the other night, and um, you know, shout out to him. I'm trying his best to keep his head cool and trying to let you know Jerry and everybody else handle the 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 political side of it. But it has to be beyond frustrating when when you're literally beating people play in and play out, and you're not getting the call. That's got, I mean, it has to be absolutely frustrating. And for people who don't understand it, if just flip it out and say, CD Lamb goes out there gets 10 you know gets 10 balls thrown his way he only catches two because on the other eight he was being held and none of those were called pi like everybody would be losing their mind right now Mm -hmm. it should be the same way that they feel in regards to micah and and i'm not sitting here saying that you know they need to call you know oh every time micah parsons play there's going to be four or five holding calls a game but i'm gonna tell you this right now just one I don't think you need to see. Now, this isn't a holding, yeah. but I don't think you need to watch that game and see any more than the Deshaun Elliott play on the goal line against mm-hmm. Tony Pollard to show you how one play can make such a huge difference in the entire game. So if it's just a drive, maybe one of those field goal drives is a punt yeah. because of Push a holding of call, pit. and it pushes, pushes Talk about the 50-yard field goals. Like one sack there takes them completely out of field goal range. I like what you brought up about you have to look at the player – 
at the same time. And I mean, these officials, they, they study as much as anybody. I mean, they're, they're, they know the rule book. They know the players. They know the teams. The teams know the, the officials at the same time. There's ways that you can still have the, the back of the mind and say, that's Micah Parsons. He can make that play as opposed to this other guy that that's still an NFL player, but there's no way he's getting there. See, but I don't, Micah Parsons can get there. Yeah, that's very true, but I don't think that should ever be taken into account on a decision to make a, a throw a flag or not. If it's yeah. a foul, it's a foul. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, Take the player out of it. You should be able to. You should be able to have go blindfolded with you know in terms of the player in terms of number and just say okay that's a holding call. So we need My, to change the mindset there. Yeah, uh, across Mike, the board. Because a lot of the times when Mike is being held, it's not even him coming from the outside. It's him coming from the interior. Inside, inside, so yeah. like he's beating centers, he's beating guards, and these guys don't have the the lateral agility to be able to keep up with him. So all they can do is hold. So he's literally running through arms to try to get to quarterbacks, and it's blatant. You know, it'd be one thing if it was like, eh, I don't know, but these are blatant holds. Um, so, I mean, he has a legitimate case. I hate the fact that, you, that this is a conversation, but they do have to make some alterations. And to your point, it's not just Micah, but Micah is probably, actually, I'll say it, Micah is the most explosive defensive player in the NFL, mm-hmm. and it's very difficult to stay in front of him, especially when Dan Quinn's literally drawing up man-on-man matchups for him. Do you think with them not having drawn any holding calls since October, you think opposing teams – like it's Absolutely. a coaching point where it's like, hey, this dude's a freak. If he beats you, grab him a little bit. They're not they're not calling it, so just grab him a little bit if you have to. We know that you're not going to be able to stand. Well, that's what that's what coaches are saying anyway, right? Yeah. If, if he's beating you, like grab him. We we rather have a holding call than him hitting our quarterback. Mm-hmm. You see how hard to yeah. hit Tua? Yeah, yeah. Like like Tua's soul feels that today. Look at right. last night against the the Ravens and the 49ers. Trent Williams gets out, get, leaves the game in the fourth quarter. The offensive line for the 49ers yeah. all of a sudden struggling. A couple plays later, Brock Purdy gets hit, and he's out of the game, and then Sam Darnold yeah. has to answer. So, so, I mean, you rather hold than give up a play. Same thing on a, on a touchdown, right? If you're, if you're a defensive back and you get beat, it's like, grab this joker. Grab him. Yeah. <laughs> There's nobody. If you don't have any over-the-top help, grab this joker, and hopefully you don't get the flag. But if you do, we're okay with that because it's not a touchdown. Yeah. yeah, it's just crazy how the value of Lane Johnson, Trent Williams, <laughs> Tyron Smith on, yeah. on, these, on the three top teams in the NFC – and obviously, people that follow the NFL know they're good players, but their value is probably people don't respect it as much as they probably should. Just how important they are uh, to the rest of the team. And obviously, we'll get into you know not having Tyron in the game, but yeah, that was it from Jerry. Um, you know, not he was not fire and brimstone ripping anybody. This is their first time that they've lost two games in a row since uh, Thanksgiving 2021. Yeah. So uh, I tuned in like I always do, but I did not expect him to be just ripping people and things like that. It's not really his style when uh, it's late in the season like this. So, But, yeah, those are probably the highlights from it. Yeah, and before we get into the game itself, in terms of the loss, it, it does affect playoff positioning, but not as much as any other loss would because this was to an AFC team. It does not affect any of the conference tiebreaker, the divisional tiebreaker, and it does not affect the, uh, the common opponent tiebreaker because if Philly were to lose again anyways – they would get that game back because Philly did beat Miami. So right now they own that tiebreaker. But if they lose one of those other games, that means either both teams lost to Arizona or they lost to New York and Dallas didn't. So they would regain that tiebreaker again. They still need Philly to lose. They, that's that's ultimately what it comes down to. You can't win the division now by winning out and hopefully having the strength of victory. So it takes the strength of victory possibility away. It also 
pretty much negates you from the the top seed in the NFC as well, even with San Francisco losing last night because you lose a week to, to try and catch up to San Francisco. So that's out of the question as well. The division still intact. The two seed still intact because you would defeat the the uh, the Lions this week in order to get there. So, I mean, if, if you win your final two games, you need the same result in order to win the division. So it doesn't change a whole lot other than some of those little minuscule things in terms of the playoff seating as well. All right, when we come back here on Talking Cowboys, let's dive into the offensive side of the ball. Like John said, Tyron Smith, the value is there. How did they look up front? How did Dak Prescott look in the 22-20 loss to Miami on Sunday? More Talking Cowboys right after this. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Black Rifle Coffee Company serves premium coffee to people who love America. When you drink Black Rifle Coffee, you are directly supporting veterans, law enforcement, and first responders in your community. Black Rifle's expert roasters love coffee almost as much as Texas loves football, so it makes sense that America's Coffee partnered with America's team. Go online at BlackRifleCoffee.com and fuel up with the official coffee of the Dallas Cowboys. That's BlackRifleCoffee.com to fuel up today. Cowboys fans, after that move, we've just coined the term Rowdy Replay. Let's roll back the tape. Okay, there's our mascot Rowdy cheering on the boys, and now he's on his phone on his Bank of America mobile banking app? Staying on top of his finances with his virtual financial assistant, Erica. Bank of America's digital tools are so impressive, Cowboys fans just can't stop banking. Learn more at bankofamerica.com slash can't stop banking. Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome back into Dear Doctor, the show where I answer life's questions with an ice-cold can of Dr. Pepper. Sheila, let's hear from our next caller, would you? Dear Doctor, my friend supported me during a tough time, but what's the right gift that says, thanks for being a shoulder to cry on? Okay, this one's easy. I say give her a delicious Dr. Pepper. Nothing says, thanks, girl. Better than a -a one-of-a-kind soda. Yes, any Dr. Pepper flavor will do. Now, just a reminder that I don't need to be a real doctor to know that Dr. Pepper is the one you deserve. Back to Talkin' Cowboys. Back here on Talking Cowboys, this portion of the show is brought to you by Quaker Oats, a super-trusted superfood. Quaker Oats, the official oatmeal sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys. Did you get them in this morning? You know I did, Kyle. <laughs> did you get them in on Christmas morning? I sure did not. Oh, no. I know. I had to wait till I came to the facility. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have Quaker Oats readily available at the crib? Uh, my, my wife, you made like a bunch of cinnamon rolls and stuff, so I have some working out to do. Okay. So you did cinnamon rolls, cinnamon rolls in the morning. And then did the pizza. Mm-hmm. You were living your best life. Girl, <laughs> I love absolutely. it. I didn't think <laughs> Good about for that. you. But you know what? So, we, so on what you have uh, during game? We're day. driving to my facility <laughs> so my kids could test out that machine, and somebody had their car stopped working. So I got out and, and helped push their car. Um, Look at this guy. So I got Good no, Samaritan. So, what I'm saying, like, yeah. I burned some calories. <laughs> that counts. Yeah. Did they? It was a whole vehicle stay now. Stay here. Let's. Wow. Go. I'm gonna go push this car. Up yeah, it was a whole vehicle. Quick, you know. Just hey guys, yeah. Stand well, my by. wife was yeah. actually. My wife was like, "Stop the car. I'm hopping out." I'm like, "Actually, I'll yeah. get out." Yeah. <laughs> no, you stay right yeah, here. You stay right here. I'll go do it. <laughs> the uh, 
<laughs> was it like yeah. the karate kid? Pop the clutch. Dude, my wife, she always was be number one. I'm like, just shh, sit. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the 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 individual that you help out, did mm-hmm. they immediately like when they saw you get out of the car? Did they say, "Oh my gosh, that's Isaiah Stanback no, from they Washington"? Definitely did. They thought I was Jesse Holly. Oh, no, I'm playing. I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse! <laughs> it's a black guy with dreads. It is really funny how many times we'll go out to the stadium. Like, we'll be, like, about it's to do ridiculous. our pregame show. And they'll be like, Jesse, Jesse! Like, nope, that's, that's Isaiah, Definitely guys. Isaiah. That's wrong. Oh, that um, happens a lot? Oh, it happens a lot, yeah. Je- ask Jesse, too, because it happens both ways, too. Yeah. Jesse gets called Isaiah. It's, yeah. yeah, it's not great. Okay. Uh, all right. <laughs> Let's get into this matchup. 22-20. For the Dallas Cowboys, if you have a, a text question or you want to you want to be a part of the show, 817-290-3298. We've got the text lines open right now. We'll, we'll answer some of those questions. But I wanted to start on the offensive side of the football. Uh, the offensive line certainly had their struggles. Chuma Adoga at left tackle. Tyron Smith out with a back injury, and, and it, it didn't look great. Isaiah, when you looked at how the game progressed behind the offensive line, was it enough to build confidence even if Tyron Smith's not available moving forward? I guess it depends on the opponent. Mm-hmm. Uh, that defensive line is solid now. I mean, you can't look at that defensive line and, and think that they're the same that you're going to face week in and week out. Now, teams that you're going to face in the playoffs, yeah, the most likely they'll have D-lines similar, but that's the third best statistically speaking, best defensive line in the game of football. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of pressure rate, those guys are only two notches down from Dallas, and we know how much Dallas puts uh, heat on the opponent. So um, they, they struggled. And they, I mean, co- collectively, they struggled. You know, Tyron's presence was missed dearly. Um, you know, if, I've, if we talked about it going into the week, if Tyron wasn't going to be able to play, Bradley Chubbs was going to be, you know, lacing up his shoes. You know, I think I said on a pregame show, he probably zip-tied him so he didn't have the time in the middle of the game. He just <laughs> – he was excited, and he had a day. He had a field day, and that's the real expectation, though. I mean, that to to ask Chumi Doga to stop Bradley Chubb playing a play out is an unrealistic expectation. Mm-hmm. It's just it's two different levels of talent. That's no knock on him. It's just some players are better than others, and he is substantially beneath Bradley Chubb and that whole entire defensive line. Wilkins, Wilkins causes havoc. I mean, they were those guys were running around. Now they our offensive line fought. But Dak was fighting for his life, literally playing and play out. And two was fighting for his life on the flip side, right? But like Dak was fighting for his life, so shout out to Dak for extending plays and and making it hard on them to get him down. But it was a battle up front, man. And he, like you said, you missed you missed a big boy on the left side. Yeah, Chubb was pretty vocal running to the locker room after the game. It was funny because you know you get so focused on covering the team that you know that you cover. That sometimes you forget about the some of the storylines for the other teams, mm-hmm. and he was just running in the locker room yelling about. Because I was the only Cowboys reporter there. There were a couple other people that cover the Dolphins, but you got to kind of walk by their locker room to get to the Cowboys. I'm like, oh, let me just stop here and see them running or whatever. Yeah, and uh, he was yelling about. I thought he said we couldn't beat a good team. None of you thought we could beat a good team. No, what are you going to say now? Write that in your little articles. I'm just like, I'm not going to write that, but okay. <laughs> and this is interesting to see this. Huh. Also. also you had a good game, but it also helps if maybe somebody blocks you and they don't just let you run free. But anyway, uh, to your point, though, I think he was very happy about uh, those, those opportunities. Um, man, hate to just give you such a blanket statement, but I don't see any way this team makes a deep playoff run if they're missing any of those starting that best five offensive line. Any yeah. of them. Obviously, Tyron is ridiculously important. Left tackle, you know, when they've been together, he's been playing great. Him and uh, Tyler together. 
But I think any of those starting five, For there's sure. just such a drop off that I, you might be, you might be able to go to you know Tampa mm-hmm. or New Orleans or Atlanta or something like that. But you're not going to beat like a San Francisco or Detroit or Philadelphia on the road without one of those, unless they're those teams are decimated by injuries, which is obviously a possibility. But sure. uh, if if they're relatively healthy and the Cowboys look like they'll be relatively healthy, uh, they need that 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 best five. There's just too much of a drop off to them. whoever the next person is. And, you know, people talk about oh maybe you need to make Chuma be the left guard and then Tyler Smith the left tackle. I still think there would have been issues there, too. How do you feel about that for people that say that anyway, by the way? No, it's too late. Okay. I mean, I would have been in agreement with that early on, but it's too late now. So, If you had um, practice reps, I mean, you're you're talking about two two practices a week, and it's really more like one and a half. Yeah. This is probably a loaded question, but I want to ask it anyway. Load it up. Of those starters, and based upon who backs them up, who would you rather not have Mm. if you had to pick somebody to not play? So, like, based if, upon their backups, if God came down Himself yep. and said, you gotta, "Choose one guy to to miss the rest of the season." Yep. I, I based hate, upon their backup, I, I hate that. But I, I, I got to. I'm probably leaning Terrence Steele, and the only reason I say it is because I don't know what they got snapping the ball if they don't. Yeah. They just don't. There has not been really anybody that you trust at backup center for a while. So. That's so, probably so, the only so center definitely can't afford a keep center. It, yeah, keeping center. I, I guess, Tyler can't. You keep can't afford right guard. Yeah, I can't. Guard. My guards, like you know, if I'm if I'm right. sitting here, my guards are Tyler Smith and Zach Martin. I, so who yeah. comes in for Tyler? I mean, if it comes in for Terrence, probably Chuma Adoga <laughs> at right tackle. So that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. This is based upon good. this is based upon who fills in for them. Who do you feel most confident with uh, if somebody had to miss? It would be Chuma. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But, I mean, you're talking about taking away Terrence Steele as opposed to taking away Tyron Smith. And if I could have Tyron Smith healthy all the way through, I'm taking it. Cause so you can see, so Dak's front side is, is even. you rather have where Dak's front side there's is There's been so many communication sure. issues on the road that concern me that if to move your center out, I just think leads to uh-huh. yeah. so many more of those, you know. T.J. Bass hasn't given you any confidence at right guard? He's not uh, Zach Martin. I'm not, no, nobody's off. any of the starters. Yeah. I'm saying based based upon your confidence in the backup. Again, I think Zach Martin's a big part of not just his play, but his but the communication stuff up there. But you know what you get out of TJ Bass? Yeah. I'm not putting them at right guard. I'm not taking Zach Martin away. I get it. Stop trying to make me take Zach Martin away. I get it. It's a sucky good question. However, you have to think about based upon what you know about based upon what I know about TJ Bass, I would feel most confident. With T.J. Bass filling in for Zach Martin than I would for any of the other positions. I'm still, I'm still going with Terrence Steele. I'm still going with Terrence Steele. And we're in the playoffs now. T.J. Bass, you can play right guard. I'll, I'm putting Zach out to right tackle. Ooh. Again? This A. This, is, this isn't week one. This is playoffs. I like, I like your thinking, sir. <laughs> I like your thinking, sir. What's the second hand? I mean, it, I mean too, it's... Last time he went out two there, two he handshakes. hurt himself. I, I understand it, but, but this is... He did a good job. This, really is, this is the end of the end of the season. You? you got a guy like Zach Martin. That I mean, how many more years does he have left? Yeah. And in terms of, I think he has a lot left in terms of playing football. Not a lot, but I mean, he's got years left. But how many chances do you have to to have this? Because here's my thing: like, I don't just look at the Cowboys. I'm looking at all of the NFL. There was a little Absolutely. conversation in the press box after between me and another reporter about that who took uh, issue with Mike McCarthy calling that a juggernaut game. I go, it is a juggernaut game. Look look across the rest of the NFL and tell me outside of obviously Niners Ravens, yep. like what would be a, a matchup that you'd be like, oh, that's just way bigger than that. Those are two of the best teams. Mm-hmm. Your, your your Chiefs that everybody wants to that's your go to answer all the time. 
they're not that right now. Mm-hmm. You know, the the Bengals not nope. having Joe Burrow, like those Bills. those go to right now. So it's like hey, it's hey, it's hey, it's, hey, it's Jake Browning is doing well. Okay, <laughs> it's it's it, you know you got like the Ravens, the Bills, the Dolphins are right there with them. Yeah, you know, and then you go over to the NFC, like. What I, I didn't want to cut you off before the, the first segment ended, but when you brought up the whole thing about the Philadelphia thing, a month ago, I'd say this this division's done. It's you over. don't even need to play the games. Yeah. I watched them play the last few weeks, and you're just like, I mean, no, they could lose one of these games. Oh, yeah. You know, so because of that, there just isn't it, That was a juggernaut game. Those are two of the best six, seven teams in the NFL. Yep. So. I completely agree. And, and you look at. There, there's six or seven contenders right now, and Dallas is right on the borderline of being that. I mean, Miami's there. Baltimore is definitely there. I think if if there was an AFC pick for me to win the Super Bowl right now, it would be the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, they, they, look they, <laughs> they look great. They looked really good yesterday. Sorry to go off on that. I know we were talking Zach no, Martin. But... I, I, I think it's warranted. I think Buffalo, if they keep moving in the right direction, they can maybe reinsert themselves back into that conversation. For but sure. I'm not there yet. Cleveland, not there yet. Nobody in the South. Nobody in the AFC West. Then you go to the NFC East. Philadelphia certainly can get back to that, but they're not playing sure. well. Dallas has lost two straight. I mean, there's still ways that they can get back into that conversation. Detroit's in that conversation. And then San Francisco. That's it. I yep. mean, the Rams are playing well. They can maybe get back up there, but they're not there yet. There, there are only six or seven teams that you are confident in that can make a run if they play their best football. And I think Dallas, if they play their best football, which includes their offensive line being healthy, they can make a run. If they made, if they made a deep playoff run that included them winning on the road, there would be a lot about talking. We would look back and talk about the Buffalo game and the Miami game and how it did get them. Well, not the Buffalo game because it was such a blowout, but this Miami game about going on the road and and playing a, a tough opponent like that. Now, of course, they got to go and win those games in the playoffs for that to happen. No but I think we would look back on, man, that was a tough stretch. They have to go to Buffalo with the well as well as they were playing and then at Miami uh, as well. So, yeah. so we, but yeah, I'm moving Zach Martin to right tackle. That's the scenario. <laughs> Sorry. I like it. I think it's good because I'm not moving Zach Martin out of the rotation at all. That's not happening. And yeah. uh, just before we move on, I feel like there was a show back in Oxnard, California, that was talking about if mm-hmm. if one of those starting five guys goes down, then that's kind of a problem. I forgot what show talk, that was. Talk, talk, talking, talking, talking boys, talking, talking, talking boy cowboys. Cows, boy um, cows. Dak Prescott, how did you feel like he he played against Miami, John? Whenever you look at his stat line and the way that he played, twenty of thirty-two. Uh, 253 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Played well, but it goes back to what we were just talking about. He was under pressure quite a bit. Yeah, I thought he played like an MVP mm-hmm. at the beginning of the game and at the end of the game. Yeah. Um, but there were definitely there, – I mean, there were some misses on some things that when you watch the game over again, especially from different camera angles, where you're like, yeah, well, you know, it's tough to make that read when you know that you don't have that much time because mm-hmm. you're not being protected like you normally are. If they had their normal offensive line up there um, – I just think it's a different game. They're just there. There were guys open, you know. Um, I'm a big uh, force feed, my star player. Get CD so I didn't like ball. I didn't like going away from CD there yeah. as much in the second and third. Where I don't know this to be true. This is just me t- taking an outside look on things, and uh, I'm not saying that this, there's no any fact to this. It's just me just talking. Dak is such a good dude. <laughs> that part of me wonders if he's like, no, I got to get more guys involved as opposed to, no, I'm just going down the field. It's me, me and CD, all, all game, whatever like that. I just feel like he tries to get other people theirs more so than That's maybe some other players would. Hmm. Is that ever a thought process from a quarterback standpoint? 
Yes, kind of. Kind I of. know it sounds stupid. Yeah, I don't there's, think it's stupid some, though. I think it's a legitimate question. There's some truth to it. For I've sure. never seen. Well, I shouldn't say never because there probably is a game or two, but I almost never see a game where it just like you just know, hey, I'm just going to these one or two guys. Like he will, he has so much trust, he's not, he's and even guys that like when we're watching the yeah exactly when we got when we're watching the game, like he's got so much trust in so many players that. There's plays that he'll throw to some guys, and I'll just be like, man, I can't believe he would trust him in that situation. But he he trusts everybody Tolbert, that's out there. Tolbert went up and made a he nice did. grab. Yes, he did. He did. Yeah. I have a question. <laughs> it's not Dak-related. Is that okay? Well, I wanted you yeah, to yeah. answer that last question. <laughs> Dak, Dak, I think Dak fought his tail off. Yeah. yeah. This game sure. is nowhere near as close if Dak doesn't do Dak things. Yeah. Yeah. He kept you in the game. He's been keeping you in the game. That right. drive at the end of the game, if Dallas gets a defensive stop there and they win it 20 to 19, I think that might be his. It, it, that could be an MVP moment. Yeah. It really could have been. Yeah, yeah. Now, he still would have had to play lights out the last two weeks of the season. Don't get me wrong. There was yeah. a long way to go. I don't think he's winning. But yeah. then we what. could have gone back and looked at that, that drive specifically where he kept them alive. That could have been his MVP moment. It's not anymore. That's, that's and, it. It's, and that, that throw to Cooks. Done. I mean, it was it was a great catch by Cooks. Too, don't get me wrong, but the that's throw with like Rick Ramsey in in, yeah. in position and just the fact Double of coverage. what had happened right before that. That had everything written on like, oh, they just blew this drive. The way they get on the one yard line, half yard line, and then run that instead of just running the ball, they try and roll him out, and then he takes that sack. You you're just if you watch yeah. enough of these games, you're like, oh, yep, here we go. Yeah, this yeah. isn't. Yeah, but yeah, he overcame that. Yeah. All right, what was your question? <laughs> Why has Tony Pollard only averaged 13 touches a game? Again, I don't know this to be a fact, but since since we're just throwing stuff out there, I wonder if he's all the way back to the Tony Pollard he was before. I think that there's a little bit, and even if they were, I just keep going back to this thing last year of that Skip Pete said about how it was such a good compliment between Zeke mm-hmm. and, and and Tony because Tony's at his best when you know he is Understood. he's getting a little bit more rest you know because then when he gets it in there he's got a chance to turn those like maybe a five six yard gain into fifteen twenty and stuff like that and so I'm wondering if that they're trying to keep him fresh during the games hmm. for those home run type abilities you know like I think he's closer to where he was last year but I don't think that he's been that way all season long in terms of being a hundred percent back from that you know the the broken leg ankle injury the drop tackle one in, in San Francisco um but then, I don't know like the, I mean do you think the running game's working on a point where you want to see more touches 12 carries 3.2 yards he, per carry he's he's averaging 13 and that's heavily weighted on the front 13 half. 13 carries, 13, 13 touches. Ca- 13 touches. Because on the front half of the season, there was a couple of games where he had 20-plus touches. That's yeah. really, you know, kind of boosting his numbers yeah. right yeah. now. But he's, I mean, every post game is seemingly is like 12 touches, 11 touches, mm-hmm. yeah. 13 touches. And taking the ball, I mean, first of all, everybody's looking at the Hunter Lipke play right now. And it's a big it, sh- play. it should have never got there. Correct. Because Tony Pollard should have scored. Mm-hmm. Let's put that out there right now. Okay, so I, I I'd love to address that real quick because yeah. you watch the film. Yes. You, can be, you can go back and look at it. There's a there's a freeze point in that all twenty two, where it looks like a walk in touchdown. How is it not a touchdown? Yeah. Like with Tony Pollard, Tony Pollard. I know there's a linebacker that's scraping over the top, and there's a there's he comes up and he he lays a hit and good play from him, but it was a weak effort. It really was. It was yeah. weak, and and Tony Pollard. As much as we want to see more of him, and I agree, I think he needs more touches to get into a rhythm to a certain extent. There's an accountability factor there. But we've been saying, I mean, we are in week 17, 
And we're saying, well, we've seen glimpses of it. It looks yeah. like that's the old Tony Pollard. He's done nothing, nothing to show me at this point that he is the old Tony Pollard. One 100-yard game this year. I, I'm surprised there's even been one. What one. was it? It was Cardinals. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's probably why I forgot right. about it. <laughs> Other than that, the last, we can go back, going in reverse. 38 yards, 52 yards, 59 yards, 68, 79, 61, 55, 51, 53, 30, 29. I can keep going. I've been the biggest Tony <laughs> Pollard supporter throughout his time here. I've been big on Tony Pollard. When he was having his success, I, I said, get him the rock, get him the rock, get him the rock. Even now, I still think he's there. But he has done nothing to show confidence or build my confidence in what Tony Pollard can do. So I'm wondering if they're saying the same oh, thing that, well, I mean, they across have to, the hall. Oh, yeah. I mean, you gave nine carries to, to Dak. Go, no, no, no. Oh, to gosh. Dak, CeeDee Lamb, Cavante Turpin, and Brandon Cooks. And Two to Hunter you did, and, and they And they ran the ball pretty well. Out of those nine carries, they got... Uh, uh, a little over 50, 60 yards. Yeah. So yeah. it was just apparent to me early on when they were some of the stuff they were doing in the run game, they were like, we're not going to be able to get this done with our normal run game. We're yeah. going to have to do some some other things because we have to run the football, but we can't get it done doing the traditional running style. I... Let me ask Let me ask this, though. Do you think that is the whole season? And even if you did have Tyron Smith, it would be the same way? Or do you think because Tyron Smith wasn't out there – they went away from Tony a little bit. No. Do you think that had any impact? This is this is the whole year. This is the entire year. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. I've been, I've, every post game, you know, I sit yeah. up there and say, "Barry Church yells during the game." If literally. anything, Chuma Adoga is better in the run game, run blocking, Dude. than he is pass blocking. So yeah. you would want to run the ball more to give Tony Pollard some of those True. touches. Yeah. I mean, this is this is crazy. Just go type. Everybody type in Tony Pollard stats and look at every game. It's just 12, 12, 11, 13, 11, 9, 8. It's, and then you have a couple of those games early on. It was 25, 23, and 20. He had three games this year where he had over 20 touches or more. Hmm. That's it. I just really – I hope we see the Tony Pollard of old because he's so fun, man. Like, that's the thing is, is I, I feel last, bad for – This is the last of Tony Pollard. I feel bad for, for Cowboys fans because Tony Pollard as the number one back as Tony Pollard was in the past couple of years. Like, he, he finally gets that opportunity this year. I thought he had a chance to explode and just be that dude, and he and he hasn't. He's been serviceable. He's been decent. He's done some things right. Right. He he hasn't done some things right on the other end. But I think we're we're at the moment we're not seeing that, and I don't know if it'll ever come. I'm, t- I'm telling you, man. Between this and the Zeke. Man, this team's just drafting running backs from now on. Like, <laughs> it's, like it's in, such a young man's yeah. game that it it's crazy like that, it sucks. Yeah. But isn't it crazy how how Tony Pollard is barely getting any touches, but yet Zeke is running all over the place. Yeah, up there in New England. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when they I mean they're dra- using him like a bell cow. Yeah, yeah. When I mean drafting running backs, I don't mean like top five pick, first round running back. I mean drafting Correct. guys that you know, like Tony, third, fourth round. Rico Dowdle was an undrafted it. free agent. Yeah, yeah. You've got it's guys such there. a it's such a physical, you know. Yeah, it's a young man's game. I don't, I don't see them. B- before we move on from a. Uh, from a running game conversation, have you lost trust in Hunter Lipke? No. No? Just I mean, yeah, that, that, play, that play, obviously you can't have that happen in that game, and that, that can cost you. But I just think, I don't know if it's just him individually as the player or it's the fact of I don't think that they can run the ball effectively against good teams traditionally. Mm-hmm. And so I like having that mixed in there because 
just doing it the old-fashioned way that they had been doing it in the past before this year, I didn't. I, that's not getting it done anymore. Yeah. So I think that you need him uh, involved, and you need him to be a threat to where teams think that he could potentially get the ball. You know, yeah, obviously you'd love to have that playback. That's terrible on the goal line, but uh, no, I haven't. I agree. I don't. And think I'm, you... I'm sitting in Nick's seat. That's true. Maybe here, it's wearing so off I, a little have bit. To, I have to. I have to. I'm, I'm totally going to ask him about it tomorrow. <laughs> he has inject Osito. But <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> he's, watching, baby. he's watching remotely right now. Right. Been, uh, I agree. I don't think you should lose trust in him. It was just. It was a bad play. It really was. All right. Let's uh, let's switch the ball. <laughs> let's switch to the defensive side. They had a nice day. Uh, we've got to talk about it when we come back, though. Here on Talking Cowboys. They say champions are remembered, but legends are never forgotten. United Ag and Turf offers a winning lineup of John Deere equipment built to tackle any challenge on and off the field. Legendary John Deere tractors, combines, residential mowers, commercial mowers, compact construction equipment, gator utility vehicles, and a full line of golf and sports turf equipment. United Ag and Turf, the official Ag and Turf equipment supplier of the Dallas Cowboys. Visit unitedagandturf.com to find a location near you. Are you ready to take coffee off your grocery list forever? Black Rifle Coffee Club is here to help. As a coffee club member, you'll get your favorite coffees roasted, packaged, and shipped to your door free of charge on your preferred schedule. Set it, forget it, and never run low on coffee again. Members also get exclusive deals on coffee, products, and discounts from partner brands. Ease your mind and let Black Rifle worry about your coffee supply. Go to BlackRifleCoffee.com to join the coffee club today. It's the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black. And right now, Cowboys fans can get 15% off their $75 order. Plus, because every deal needs a playmaker, your order will include a free five-piece skincare set and free shipping. The Jack Black Playmaker is four of Jack's favorites and a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Make a play for the playmaker at GetJackBlack.com slash Cowboys with the code CowboysVIP. That's GetJack black.com slash cowboys with the code cowboys vip todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable and now todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour but the good news is todd has at&t 5g that is fast reliable and secure and he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew at&t 5g fast reliable secure it's not complicated 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Back to Talking Cowboys. Back here on Talking Cowboys, presented by Black Rifle Coffee Company. This segment of the show is brought to you by Invisalign, the official smile of the Dallas Cowboys. Back with John Machota, Isaiah Stanback, Chris Beam in the back. I'm Kyle Yeomans. Nick Harris out today, but he is listening. And he sent in a text to answer Isaiah's question if we were playing uh, (laughs) unfortunate circumstances and uh, you had to remove somebody from the offensive line for the rest of the season, who would you be more confident in filling in? He said Brock Hoffman isn't Tyler Biotish, but he feels like he could hold his own in the interior. I think that's the only one that could plug in and be okay up front with. So that's Nick Harris's vote. Nick, we're moving Zach Martin to right tackle, okay? It's done. We've already figured it out. And we've already done it. By the way, Isaiah wasn't the only one that was uh, talking about having TJ Bass as a confident backup. There are multiple text messages on our text line, by the way, 817-290-3298. Multiple text messages that say if if you've got 
to remove somebody, at least have TJ Bass go in. So moving Tyler, yeah. or excuse me, moving Zach out the right tackle and keeping yep. TJ Bass in there. I mean, I think we figured it out. Because you <laughs> solved it all. I think we done. done. Next somebody issue, give a call bring to, it in. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Terrence Steele. I don't know what happened to you, but that's just it seems like something happened. All right. Let's flip to the defensive side of things. Defense only allowing one offensive touchdown. Mm. But in between the 20s, they gave up plenty of yardage. Miami was able to move the ball pretty much at will until they got inside the 30, the 20, and then they they seemingly pitter-pattered out and had to settle for five field goals. They hit all five of them. Uh, what were your thoughts, John, on the defense and, and how they performed on Sunday? Uh, I thought about Isaiah on that 50-yard bomb to uh, Jalen Waddle early yeah. in the game. I was like, oh, here we go. This could be going on all day. This might be bad. <laughs> it should have been a touchdown before that in reality. Which the one, the Tyree kill oh, drop. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I would Constant the way breaks. the game started, I was like, "Oh, this is not going to be good for the Dallas Cowboys at all." But yeah, they tightened up, and I will say that I I was I expected them to play better defensively than they did against Buffalo in terms of the missed tackles, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, but in no way did I ever think they were holding Miami to twenty two points and and really mm-hmm. one touchdown. Um, and I don't think Miami was thinking that. You can tell by. Uh, McDaniel's uh, decision making early on, where he didn't go for the uh, field goal and and went for it. I think it was like fourth and five too. It wasn't yeah. even a real close fourth down. And I think it's because everybody felt like, oh, this game's going in the thirties. You know, um, you're going to need touchdowns. You can't settle for field goals. But the way the game kind of evolved was the way that how the Cowboys defense was playing. You saw McDaniel be like, all right, we'll take these field goals now. Of course, I mean their kicker. I mean fifty two, fifty four, fifty seven outside. Yeah. I mean that was. That was impressive. So you, that that's a little bit more to lean on. But I mean, I, that was the main thing I wrote about off of the game was I was like, if they're going to make a deep playoff run, the defense has to play like this every time against a really good team. That's and good point. Th- did they let up in the end? Yeah, they needed to be better on that final drive. But overall, I thought they played. I thought it was a winning effort. I thought they played good enough for them to win that game. To uh, twenty-four of thirty-seven, two hundred and ninety-three yards, a touchdown, and the the most impressive stat for me is the fact that they went from two sixty-six against the Buffalo Bills rushing yards allowed to just ninety-one against a really good rushing attack uh, of the Miami Dolphins. So it's fascinating to watch how quick he gets the ball out and like the, the, all the different movement that they do on the line <clears throat> to get guys open and things yep. like that. And, and and I mean, in a way, it's it, it. I want to see it against good teams in the playoffs to see if this thing can hold up. But there is a part where you're like, man, if teams can do that, maybe you don't need the greatest offensive line because you're just moving it so quick yeah. and they're not <clears throat> calling holds against uh, Mike Ferguson. So um, it is a copycat it was, league. It was it was fun to watch that to see how quick like you know they were doing a lot of stuff yeah. you know at the line of scrimmage and yeah. I, I really liked the physicality that Dallas brought yeah, buddy. and, and yeah. they brought it all four quarters which is exactly what you did not do against Buffalo yeah. and you needed to do if you're going to build some confidence going into the playoffs Tank Lawrence DeMarcus Lawrence was phenomenal Beast I'm talking it, like one of the best games of his career <clears throat> and he's had some really good games taking on three and people at a time that was wild, yeah. and it's not something that's going to show up in the box score everybody at home is probably going to say oh my gosh he only had two combined tackles and he didn't have a sack or a tackle for loss he was effective impact baby and you could see the the energy he brought the tackling ability that that rallied around him i thought it was the best this defense has looked against the run against a formidable running attack yep all maybe all season and and i say that because you've talked about it before when teams are dedicated to running the football down the throat of this dallas yep. defense it, it's usually effective for sure. Miami was uh, they were they wanted to run the football, 
And sure, there were times where it was effective, but overall, you did not allow it to hurt you. Mm-hmm. What hurt you was the 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 fact that your offense pitter pattered in the second and fourth or second and third yeah. quarter, and you couldn't find a rhythm. That's what ended up hurting you. I thought this defense played well enough to win. Defense played lights out. Uh, you talked about some of the individual players in terms of D-Law. He was disruptive as all get out. I think Malik Hooker had one heck of a game coming up and being physical and just bringing guys down at the point of contact. Um, collectively, as a defense, these guys had a 75% effectiveness rate in the red zone. You know, the, the uh, Dolphins were only one of four in the red zone, which is out of this world. That yeah. was the number one team in the league in the red zone. They were 68%, I think, going into the game, uh, red zone uh, effectiveness. So, they balled out, man. Um, tackles for loss. Okay, uh, they only allowed ninety-one yards on the ground. They had four tackles for loss. I mean, I mean, they played on the other side of the line of scrimmage, and they created havoc in the backfield. They had Tua. Tua had a terrible game. I mean, coverage-wise, you know, I don't want to take anything away from our defense, but they had guys open. Yeah. <laughs> they, they they had a lot of guys open, a lot of opportunities, but Tua was back there, like he was constipated. He was not stable. Okay, he didn't have he did not feel safe at all. He was back there, had the happy feet. Um, he was overthrowing things. He was just not accurate because he didn't feel like he could sit back there and sit on his back leg without getting his head knocked off. Um, that's a testament to his entire defensive line. And yeah, I mean, I think I think they did what they needed to do in order to put their team in position to win the ball game. To your point, offense just did not do enough, um, and unfortunately, holding Miami to twenty two points didn't work in your favor. You know, and that's that's something that you would take all day long. Hey, can you stop the number one mm-hmm. offense in the league? The number the number one passing offense, the number four rushing offense, uh, number one scoring offense to twenty two points. I think you would have taken that and said, "Yeah, we're going to pretty much win the ball game." Yep. And yeah, unfortunately, you didn't. Yeah, it, it was unfortunate that that that's what hurts this about this the most they is the well. fact that you had chances. Yeah. Dallas had certain chances throughout the game, and, and whether it was the Lipke fumble or the play before that, or there were opportunities late in the game, they had a shot. They had a shot, and they didn't take it. And it, it feels very reminiscent of Week Nine against Philadelphia. Absolutely, it, it, it's just exactly where I'm I'm looking at. Is hey, they they were there. There were things to build on, but you lost the game. That's that's what it looked like. But instead of it being 28-23, and you had plays go the opposite direction throughout. It's the same sort of deal, and you lost 22-20. Philly game, they had Schoonmaker on the mm-hmm. one get stopped. This game, they had the Tony Pollard the on, the, on the one stop like that. You know, yeah. just how it comes down to just those little plays there. And, and it's funny because, yeah, people say game of inches, and you just kind of roll your eyes like, yeah, we've heard this a million times, you know. But it really, they're yeah. on big games, it really is. But, you know, I know we're talking a lot about a lot of frustrations and a lot of frustration points, mm-hmm. but I like to take the positive. I know we got to get out here in a, in a second. Yeah, we got to go. Um, this game was a positive, even though you lost. Mm-hmm. And I say that because you've had the opportunity now over the last two weeks, and you're about to run into it for a third week in a row, mm-hmm. to play playoff football before the playoffs. Without the playoff consequences. You've had the opportunity to play, have playoff experience without having playoff ramifications. And if you don't take that as a positive and address all the things that you've put on film and use that now to help you when the playoffs present themselves. Because you're in the playoffs. You're playing for better seating and easier matchups and all that jazz, but you're in the playoffs. So you take these experiences, both good and bad, and you use them 
when the playoffs present themselves. Now, I'm not saying ignore the rest of the games. You need to win win out. Okay, You need to take care of your business. But you're learning a lot about yourself. And these coaches are learning lessons that they would much rather learn right now versus learning in the actual playoffs. Mm-hmm. The Buffalo game, you figured out, guess what? We have a freaking hole in the, in the middle of our defense. Our edges are soft. We can correct that. Okay, those are correctable things. Okay, I'm glad that we've seen that now. Okay, are awesome. Now Miami played one heck of a game. We had some things that we did really, really well. We had some things that we need to convert on. We know that we can go toe-to-toe with one of the best offenses in this league, if not considered the best offense in this league. Awesome. Solid. Let's take that. Okay, let's now let's improve upon the things that we need to improve upon. Now we're probably about to play our most physical game outside of the 49ers. Let's see how we respond to this. Okay, can we play big, big boy ball and come out here and hit some guys in the mouth? You're hitting on all these checkpoints, and by the time you're getting ready to go play the playoff games, you have all these as examples and all these experiences that you can now lean on and bring into the playoffs to say, ah, let's not do that again, or ah, we've seen this before, let's turn this up one more time versus what we did a couple weeks back. I think it's it's awesome. It's, it's a sucky part of the season because of the schedule, the difficulty, but it's awesome when you look at it because it's all about perspective. When you take these experiences and take it into the playoffs, you'll be a much better off team than you would have been had you had an easier portion of the season right now. As long as you can get out of these games healthy, too. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's a big Huge. thing in yeah. general. Like, yeah. As long as you get out of these dogfights healthy. And on that note, um, I forgot to mention the news and notes. Stefan Gilmore, uh, Jerry was asked about him, said he's, he'll be good to go for Sunday. Huge. Um, but I, or Saturday, sorry. But I wanted to bring that up because that was a huge positive to leave that game without him because the way he was on the ground, mm. I think a lot of people watching were like, whoa, this Deep could breath. be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and if you lost him, you'd be in a lot of trouble. So uh, it sounds like they really dodged a bullet on, on the Stefan Gilmore injury. And he was able to return anyway. Since we are comparing this Miami loss to the Philadelphia loss back in week nine. If the same result happens and follows and the Cowboys win five straight, they're in the Super Bowl. So, hey, there's things that uh, there you that you can be excited about moving forward, Cowboys Nation. Big one this week on Saturday. It's a short week. We will be turning the page to the Detroit Lions tomorrow. We're going to preview the Dallas defense versus a very formidable Lions offense tomorrow afternoon. We'll also have some uh, storylines as well as we get back here on Talking Cowboys. Should have Nick Harris back in the fold as well. For Chris Beam, Isaiah Stanback, John Machota, I'm Kyle Yeoman saying so long from Talking Cowboys. We'll see you tomorrow. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!